excited today to be uh, here with an opportunity to interview Andy Griffiths. Andy, thanks for being here. My pleasure. And uh, you were here at Yarra Valley Grammar, class of... 1979. 1979. Yes. Well, congratulations. And you're back here. Today is the 50th anniversary of uh, Yarra Valley Grammar. And you've uh, had an opportunity here to be here to launch a book and also to check out a little bit of your... Is there anywhere here at Yarra that was a significant place to you that, uh, that you might like to go and revisit? Well, I did get the chance to visit the old music uh, room, which was in our day was called The Forum. And it had a little stage at the bottom and tiered seating leading up. Right. And so a lot of concerts were done there yep. by bands um, from our year level. Now, Andy, most of us, most of those listening also, would know you as an author, as a writer of highly successful um, series and, and several. But you're talking about music. Tell us a little bit about your adventures in music. Well, Yarra Valley, for some reason, was a very musical kind of school. Uh, creative arts in, in general were, were really promoted. And a lot of uh, bands formed amongst the students. It was the 70s where rock and roll was a really important part of our growing up. And we'd have big concerts out in the quadrangles at lunchtime. Yeah. So all us young kids we're growing up just seeing uh, members of the student community performing all the time. And we, we marveled at them, mm. you know, because it was, takes a lot of guts to get up on a stage. Particularly um, in front of your peers like that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I remember in Year 7 there was a group called Blaze, whereby my still good friend Andy Moore was the drummer. Mm -hmm. And they were sort of a glammy, skyhooks kind of outfit. They performed three songs. And we didn't take them seriously enough. We were screaming and clapping and pretending they were on countdown. <laughs> but at the same time, I was taking my lessons, going, wow, look at the nerve that took. Um, and so me being very imaginative and not terribly musical, I created a fake band called Silver Cylinder, which was just a concept that we entertained ourselves with all through school. And I would write songs based on the popular songs of the day but adapt them to our life at Yarra Valley and they were just to make my friends laugh and we planned out albums and world tours and then by the end of year 12 we said let's let's make this band actually happen for the last day we'll do a joke concert uh -huh. so we build it for months as the biggest rock and roll event ever coming to Yarra coming to Yarra and I remember being in a rehearsal room going well who's going to sing and they said well you've written the lyrics it better be you it, and it hadn't occurred to me <laughs> but I thought okay fine I couldn't sing and I just yelled out the lyrics but it was an enormous success on the day we had the whole school cheering and and that was probably the bit where I realized I could perform yeah my, um, it was the first time I'd been voluntarily in front of a microphone in front of large groups. Wow, that's really significant. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, you're no, no stranger now to a big stage and your name is, is known throughout the world in the success of, of your books and your writing, but creativity is obviously a significant part of your journey. Yeah, and, and knowing that creative writing was so valued, like the school magazine in the 70s was 80% creative writing. 10% school business. Okay, uh, yes, um, yep. So they're very artistic, and I just assumed that that was the way schools were. That, sure. That you came and you wrote, and ph photography was valued and, and art. 
So um, it was a fantastic place for me to be. And we also had the school bushwalking club, very active, six to eight walks a year, many overnight walks. Some were led entirely by students. Um, We would take our packs, carry all our food, build the fires, camps. We became very independent as a result. Sure. And that long distance planning and endurance, I think really was fantastic when I started writing books because books are all about endurance, yep. planning, and just hanging in there while you get it done. So that we, we see the success of the book and, and we see the success <laughs> of you and your name, but you're suggesting that there's a whole lot more to writing a book and there's even a journey involved and persistence and dedication and all that sort of thing involved in actually getting your name on a book <coughs> and having your book to be sold. Totally. It's, right. Yeah, it was a, well, it was a 10-year journey from... I, I was in bands all through my university course where I... You told studied. us you couldn't sing. Oh, I got, I got, I did an impression of singing. Okay, yes. And I got better at performing. Terrific. Um, so I was in a number of bands that played on the underground scene in Melbourne. Right. Um, but I, by day I was studying a Bachelor of Arts with an honours degree in English Literature. So I was reading through the history of English Literature. Yes. And by the end of five years I thought, you know what, it's the writing I really love. And then I sort of stopped playing music and started just writing and taking writing courses and uh, working out how to do it. So you, you've obviously built a, a career around your writing. Do you have... Do you have a process that you go through or do, is, do you go, is, have you got a particular spot where you do your writing or where do you get your inspiration from? For, because we've, there'll be some people out there listening who are budding writers. Is there a process that, that you might yeah. suggest? Well, you know, the inspiration is always to make someone laugh. And when I was at school, it was to make my friends laugh. That was the only motivation I needed. And you got a little bit of success from that and so that spurred you on to yep. do it some more. Then I became an English teacher for a few years. Still making them laugh? I wanted to make my students laugh so yes. they would enjoy reading Great. more. Yep. So that, And then I started collecting my stories, putting them into little self-published volumes, mm. which were literally just photocopied uh, pages stapled together. Yep. Um, they were my first books. But the process generally involves just writing a whole lot of stuff without editing it, with just writing the silliest and funniest stuff I can think of. It's very wild and free. And then there comes a period of editing where you really look hard at it and you think, what, what's actually here? A lot of stuff gets thrown out and then certain key ideas are expanded upon. Right. Back to the wild stage, back to the editing. It takes a year to write one book. Wow. There's a lot of backwards and forwards. That's terrific for us to really get that first-hand view <coughs> of the hard work and the sweat and the, the, the pain that's involved because a lot of it gets left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, yeah. Those ideas are really quite cheap. Okay. When you begin, you think every idea is precious. Sure. But you really want the right idea serving your book at this point and you have to be ruthless getting rid of the stuff that is very funny and good yes. but has, is not contributing to the story. And do you yeah. get rid of it and be gone or do you get rid of it and store it somewhere else for I another day? S- I store it up and, and I look for opportunities to use ideas. Sometimes they wait 15 years right. and I go, ah, that's where I can use And you can my... dip back into it and find it again and, and then expand on it some If more. it's a good idea, it never actually goes away. Wonderful. It's always just trying to get out. Sure. Um, and the more you do it, the more you actually stimulate new ideas. So you don't 
I've found I don't run out of ideas. I actually generate way too many. Yes, yes. These and days, it's, it's and culling, culling them, working through picking them to find the very the, best yes, is yeah. what you want. And and a lot of the, my work is to make the stories just read like I've just naturally thrown them off in yes. about ten minutes. Yes, so right. Okay. To and, get and that is quite hard. Clearly, yeah. but with the work that you've done and, and clearly the success that you've had, you, you've probably got that worked out. Uh, yeah, and I have a lot of assistance from my wife, Jill, who's mm-hmm. an editor mm-hmm. uh, by profession, right. and she brings the real hard um, eye to it all. Yeah, she'll, she'll tell you honestly what it's like. She'll tell me honestly as an independent reader. Yes. And mm-hmm. she likes a lot of it, but then she'll say these other sections are a bit boggy or she, she, she was bored. And I won't argue with her. I'll just go right. Let's get rid of it or mm-hmm. rework it so that sure. It, until so she's do you, happy. do you have a a season of writing for a period of time, or do you get up and you write two thousand mm. words a day? Are you in no. a discipline like that and wait for the gold to come from that, or what's that rhythm? No, like? I've got a book deadline every year, which uh-huh. is uh, generally October. I have to have the first draft of a book written, so I'll begin working on that in March. Uh, just collecting ideas, writing little bits, piecing it together as a, as a bare outline to begin with. And as I tell it to people, I'll pitch it to people and it'll yeah. feel good. Or if it's a bit confusing, I'll go back and work it until it's a nicely detailed outline. So you become quite familiar with your material before before any of us read it, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And then I'll and then Terry, I'll sit down with Terry mm-hmm. and pitch it to him, and he'll start giving me a few illustrations. So Terry Denton, your illustrator. Yep. Yep. And his illustrations then help me to deepen the story until we start laying it out, what it might look like as pages. So again, the creativity of his artwork comes back and then inspires you. Yeah. Wow. And then uh, I'll, I'll I'll deepen my story He'll change his artwork, sometimes make a mistake, and I'll have to change the story yes. to fit his... But the mistake is good. Yes, It, it yes. takes it in a way no one could have seen. So sure. The Treehouse books, uh, out of all of them, are genuine collaborations where no one's totally in control. So so you mentioned the Treehouse books, and certainly my son's a big fan, and we've often um, sat there reading together. How many in the series are there? Uh, so far, there's six, yep. leading, getting us up to 78. Uh, right. We're doing the 91 story at the moment. Yeah, so, so you, you, you're working on a project right now? Yep. 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 And then when's that? when can we look for that? Uh, that will come out in August of 2017. Um, okay. Yep. At the moment, it's all written, uh, and we're about to start the process of integrating pictures and sure. fitting that in. That will take six months so we, we've we've had something in in this discussion for those who might be budding writers we've also got a lot of parents who are listening so what would you say to to parents to maybe encourage their their kids in, in reading and the value of reading and what what could we do to encourage our, our kids to read i think just uh take them to a library a bookshop uh, a secondhand shop a school fate this bookshop that I, I love school fates uh-huh. I, I buy box loads of books right uh, anything that takes my fancy and I think be tolerant with your child if they like reptiles and that's all they want to read is reptile books that's read about them. the book that's that's the one they don't have to read fiction or mm-hmm. a, a inverted quotes proper book yeah uh, whatever turns you on is going to be your doorway into reading fantastic and, and my books work for a lot of different kids because we've mixed up a lot of genres and yep. 
we've got a lot going on, but certain kids will only want to read non-fiction and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's okay, that. yeah. 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 Um, I wonder if there's an experience that you think that every child should have. Uh, I would hope they find a book that they fall in love with mm-hmm. and that they carry around with them. It's, it's the feeling that the book is still alive even when you've shut the page. Yeah. So that in your day-to-day life, you can be dealing with everyone in day-to-day, but there's a part of you that's living in that book and referring back to it. That way you have a double life. Sure. And the more books you read, the richer that second life becomes. Absolutely. And, and it informs what you do in your, your real life. Um, and so your real life is going to be more imaginative, more interesting as a result of this huge resource. Sure. That's why I want kids to fall in love with books. Absolutely, because it can take them to a whole different world and open up a whole new imagination. Yeah, but it's not just escape. It's using those characters and the, the wonder and the magic to, inf- to bring a little bit about that into your actual life. Sure, is, sure. This is where the... I've just got two more questions for you before we let you go. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to know, because I had one of my students ask me to ask you, where did the inspiration come from for The Day My Bum Went Psycho? Uh, that was from observing. I'm not a very good observer, actually. You don't have to know the names of plants or remember much, but I did observe that bums are very embarrassing that they can release gas and make noises when you least expect them to. And as a child, you get into trouble sometimes. Sometimes. And you feel like, that wasn't me, it was my bum. So I took that and put it through my questioning process. Said, what if your bum could actually have a a mind of its own, arms and legs, and it could jump off your body and embarrass you a long way away from where you actually are? Yes. That would be the ultimate embarrassment. So... You have got a fascinating mind, haven't you? It's just a what-if mind. What if, if bums are this embarrassing, what's the worst thing? They jump off your body and the police have to chase it. Yes. And then I follow it very logically. So you bring the bum catcher. Of course uh, you would. You'd you'd get the net, you'd get the toilet paper, you'd go out and help them. And and it just builds through a a patient process of asking questions. And, and fearlessly committing to the logic of what you're coming up with. I'm sure there's logic in there somewhere. Total. If, yes. your, if your dog ran away, you'd ring the dog catcher. If your bum runs away, you ring the bum catcher. Straight away, um, for sure, not, for sure. And But I tell it very seriously. Yes, so okay. Not, it's not like it's a joke. It's yep. like for that character, it's the worst it's, possible It is real, thing. yes. I've got to get my bum back. Sure, but, sure. And if you tell it true and serious, it becomes funny. Yeah. It sounds like very good advice, and I wonder whether we might uh, conclude the, our time together. And thank you so much for being with us. But I wonder if you've what's the best advice that you've ever received, and whether you might indeed pass that on to. We've got we've got Yarra old grammarians listening. We've got people potentially who have been here at Yarra for a period of time, and now they're doing all sorts of wonderful things all around the world. I know we're going to have some current students. We've got some junior school students listening to this. Some secondary school students. What's some advice that you might leave us with? Big question, I know. It's big, but what comes to mind straight off is find your own way of doing things. Mm. I think that's what interests me, is not someone who's copying other ways of doing things, but just doing it the way that it comes to them. Um, You won't, not everyone will rush to you and applaud you in the beginning, and they certainly didn't for me. They couldn't understand my early stories. 
But to me, they made sense. They were a type of humour that I enjoyed very much as a kid. Uh, a larrikin humour thrived at this school in the 70s, mm -hmm. and I, I still channel that. Yeah. And I just went, I don't care if it doesn't look like any other book out there or if it's upsetting a few people. Uh, this is what's funny to me. I yep. believe in it. And I just doubled down and said, that's, that's all I can do. I can't write proper books, but I can write my sort of books. And uh, I would like to see that whatever field you're in, is you take that attitude. That Beautiful. This is how I do it. Yeah. Andy Griffiths, thanks so much for being with us and spending a few time, uh, a little bit of your time here on at uh, our festival day. It, uh, it's been wonderful to spend some time with you. So thank, thank you very you. much. Great to be back. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you.